guys, this is Dr. Vita Bland, and we thank you so much for joining us for another episode of It's a Matter of Your Health, the 30-minute health magazine. Again, we are so very pleased to welcome back to our microphones Dr. Cynthia Snyder. Dr. Snyder is an infectious disease expert. She's the medical director for infection prevention at Moses Cone Hospital in Greensboro, North Carolina. Dr. Snyder has been our guide as we have gone through COVID, and she's back today to give us an update about what's going on. Dr. Snyder, thanks so much for being with us. Thank you so much. Um, I would say we are seeing a late summer COVID um, uptick, and we have been seeing this um, in previous summers. You know, this is the fourth summer of the coronavirus uh, pandemic. And we noticed that in different pockets throughout the U.S., we're seeing increasing cases, increasing hospitalizations, but not nearly to the same degree as we have seen in the past. So we want to say, yes, we're having increasing cases, but not to get too worried. Um, We have a lot of still uh, tools in our, you know, in our toolbox of like what we've done in the past. So for those who are um, anxiously awaiting for a new booster, that should be coming um, in mid to late September, where they have reformulated the COVID vaccine to uh, represent the most recent Omicron um, subvariant, that XBB. And it should work still to pr- with the other circulating uh, strains that we're seeing now. Okay, so this new strain that we're seeing, I hear it's got like 35 different mutations or something on it. So are you expecting it to be a doozy or what? So, you know, right now we are in our communities, we're seeing a variety of different uh, uh, strains that are causing cases. We're still seeing um, the Omicron subvariant, the XBB. We're also seeing an EG.5, um, but that variant that you're talking about with the multiple mutations, um, which is the BA.2.86, that is garnering a lot of um, media attention because of the various uh, mutations. And, um, but we, I think it's too soon to tell um, if it's going to cause um, more severe disease. We do know that these other strains like the EG.5, it is more transmissible, like, you know, it's escaping that immune response a bit, but we're not seeing more severe disease. So, you know, all these years of being exposed to coronavirus uh, infections, people have had natural immunity, they've had vaccine-derived immunity, and that is still protecting them a bit from severe disease. You know, the the people that I worry the most about are the 65 and older, and and they, to my surprise, have not been getting their uh, vaccines the way I had hoped. I recently heard that they are only 45% of people 65 years of and older had gotten a second vaccine, which I was kind of surprised. Uh, but those are the people who we need to worry about right now. Is that true? Correct. I think, um, you know, the vac- the booster that's going to be coming out in the f- um, next month will be recommended for those who are older than 60 years old, as well as those who are at risk for severe disease. And um, it is, we're, 
you know, I think that in the beginning, it was very, we didn't have any immunity. A lot of people did take the vaccine. You know, we did have high uptake of the vaccine, especially in high risk population and those who are older than 65. Um, we had less of an uptake for the bivalent booster last fall, but I'm hoping people understand that, you know, it's been a year since we've had a new vaccine. Um, our immune systems do wane over time. And so um, the best way to prevent severe disease is to get vaccinated. So I think a lot of um, healthcare institutions, public health um, uh, leaders are going out there to encourage uh, to take that new uh, vaccine for COVID. And, you know, one of the things uh, that I worry about that 65 years and older, they seem to lose their protection from the virus a little bit quicker than younger people. And I don't think they realize that, that that's one of the reasons why they really need to be getting these shots. That's true. It's not just um, the COVID vaccine that we worry about. We also, you know, when when we see that decrease of an immunity over time, especially in the, our um, older population, we want to prevent what happened last summer, last year, right? Like we, we want to prevent having that triple demic uh, process of flu, COVID and RSV. And uh, what the FDA and our scientists have been able to uh, uh, produce is that not only do we have a, slightly new formulated flu vaccine. We have a newly formulated COVID vaccine. Plus, um, for the first time, we're having an RSV vaccine for um, older adults as well as pregnant women. So our our intent is to really publicize the, the, the fact that there are these vaccines available. It's time to get those vaccines now so that we can prevent the risk of hospitalizations to the degree that it overwhelms the health system, mm -hmm. you know? So there's um, a lot of great things happening right now, and we want to make sure that people know about it. If you are in the age group of like 60 and older, please go out to just get that one-time dose of RSV vaccine. Um, for those who are um six months and older to get the flu vaccine and for the new coming uh, booster vaccine for COVID, uh, those recommendations should be coming out um, probably over the next two to three weeks. Okay. You know, when I mentioned the RSV uh, vaccine to some patients, they said, oh, I thought that was just for kids, uh, you know, because they heard so much about children last winter having uh, such problems. And we had quite a bit of kids who unfortunately, you know, succumbed to uh, the RSV, but a lot of adults are not familiar with it, you know? Right. You know, I think um, it's not until we realize that when you look at all the hospitalizations and which are like type of respiratory illness that placed them at risk for it, um, you know, I think it was a little bit of a perfect storm. You know, we we knew that pay, that adults got got RSV, but we just didn't know to what extent it would happen in in a high season, as well as what the associated severity of illness. So, kind of again, like older folks. Um, who's, you know, just by nature, their immune system doesn't doesn't respond as well to vaccines or doesn't last as long. Folks who have like heart disease and lung disease or immunocompromised, like these are 
that special population that are more at risk for severe disease and, and would benefit from getting vaccinated. Okay. Let's jump back a minute to the uh, to COVID. Um, I know I have heard that there's some uh, pockets in the country that have had quite a bit and that they have gone back to masking. People are resistant to masking, you know? Yeah. So, you know, I think the biggest question, I think, to a lot of schools, um, I mean, churches, any um, any groups of people that come together, like what is that threshold to start masking? And, you know, in a perfect system, you would know exactly what that rate of infection is in the community, or you would have other surrogate markers to tell you like what that represents. Like, you know, at, you know, if you're seeing like 10, 15 or 20 percent of your ED visits for respiratory illnesses, that tells me there's a lot going on in your community and masking makes the most sense to do, uh, as well as using like COVID hospitalizations as a as another indicator and or call outs, right? Like how many people are missing work because of respiratory illnesses. So I think all those different variables can help um, a company, a school, a hospital, you know, health system decide when it's time uh, to ask people to start masking as they enter their, their com- that place of business or, or the hospital or clinic. The reason being is that we do know masks work and, um, you know, does it, uh, does it garner some discussion or some, some people who really don't want a mask? Um, yeah. So we know that we've seen that in the past, but we know that the science for masking to reduce respiratory illnesses does work. And, um, and I anticipate that, you know, as the respiratory season kicks off, that many health systems and clinics and possibly potentially schools will start asking people to mask because that does not only protect the patient um, it, from spreading it to others, but also the patient getting it from others. And so um, I definitely think there's some merit to masking during the respiratory season. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, it's, it's interesting because I know in our area here, uh, you know, that it got to the point that I hate to say it when I would go out, I'd be the only person with a mask on. <laughs> but, you know, we never... Uh, even though the the amount of, of um, virus that we saw and the, and the amount of people who were infected went down, um, we never stopped diagnosing it in our office. We have not had a week that we did not diagnose at least one person with COVID. And uh, as we are recording this, uh, we're two days into the week and we've already had uh, three people that we've diagnosed with COVID. And when you do that, people are still surprised. And I know that it's all over the um, televisions that we are seeing an uptick, but it just looks like people are not getting it. I'm not sure where people are getting their information from, whether we need to do more on social media or what. But it just seems that people seem to be very shocked that, you know, we're having this happen. Yeah, I, you know, it's it's hard because I think there has been... Um, you know, fatigue from all of this, right? We're in the fourth season of it. And uh, some people also realize it's not, you know, it's not as severe as it 
previously was, or maybe they don't carry the same risk as they used to. And that might be the reasons why they don't mask. Um, but what I do hope is that as the case, we know, we know we are seeing an uptick, right? As you mentioned, you're seeing, you're diagnosing more in your clinic. Um, at my hospital system, we had twice as many healthcare workers out with COVID than the previous week. So it's, and we're seeing increasing hospitalization. So it's, there's definitely a rise, you know, and we're just determining like that, like, what is that threshold to start um, asking everybody to mask and, and take ownership, not only for their own personal safety, but the safety of their mm-hmm. of their family and their friends and their coworkers. And that empathy of like, you are part of your community and we need people to rally around that again. Um, what I definitely would like is that people under- to understand that because we cannot afford that same surge of of uh, like of cases into into hospitals where you know where that you you were at a point where people were waiting so long in the emergency room, or where you're at a point where you didn't have a bed for an infant that had resp- had pneumonia and they had to be transported elsewhere. You know those those moments are excruciating for healthcare providers, you know, and we want to do as much as we can to prepare the population to understand we need, we need your help. We need you to, to take these vaccines, to mask, to, um, if you are having symptoms, please get tested. If you're positive, talk to your provider so that you can get an antiviral so that you can minimize as as much of the uh, acts like, to minimize the risk of hospitalization. The other thing that's really important too about RSV is that uh, there's also um, a new monoclonal antibody that they can offer kids who are under, uh, I think, eight months old. And then also um, giving the RSV vaccine from pregnant mothers is a big deal that that vaccine can transmit antibodies to the new unborn to the onboard kid. And so um, that will also protect, uh, reduce those risks of happening, having that big surge again, like we did last year. Okay. Let me reintroduce our guest. We're so pleased to welcome back to our microphones, Dr. Cynthia Snyder. Dr. Snyder has been our guide as we've gone through COVID the last couple of years. She is an infectious disease expert. She's the medical director for infection prevention at Moses Cone Hospital in Greensboro, North Carolina. Before COVID, (laughs) we used to worry so much about the flu. We cannot forget about the flu. Let me ask you. Is this flu vaccine going to be better than last year's flu vaccine, or do we know yet? <laughs> oh, that's a great question. You know, um, we have a sense that it's, it's well-matched. Um, they um, reformulated the flu vaccine, and it's usually made of four components, and only one of them needed to be updated. And, you know, we look at our the Southern Hemisphere and the flu cases there to see which type of cases they are and um, what type of flu strain they're to see if it's matched. Um, because it, we, we know that flu can gain some mutations and change a little bit, but from w- what we can tell so far, we feel that it's, uh, it's going to be well-matched. H- however, that being said, um, what we do need, we need people to take the vaccine, right? So, um, you know, we're lucky if people like half the people get the vaccine. And, and so we really hope that 
people understand like, yeah, this year you may be getting more shots, but we really want you to still, you know, get the flu vaccine if you're six months and older. If um, you're older than 60, the RSV vaccine is a great thing to get. It's only one, a one-time shot. And then um, mothers who are in their second, third trimester, this is a great time to get the flu vaccine as well as the RSV vaccine. And the timing for the flu vaccine, people used to mention, they're like, oh, I'm going to wait until December. But, you know, we were caught off guard last year. We had the, that flu season came early and many people were not, um, had had like significant disease because, um, which we weren't, you know, didn't have any antibodies against it. And so, you know, September, October is a great time to get vaccinated. So um, that's just around the corner. (laughs) And so everybody, um, please go out to either your pharmacist or your doctor's office uh, or any kind of flu clinic, flu vaccine clinics there are, please please go ahead and get that. So, you know, some people want to get their flu vaccine and their COVID vaccines at the same time. Some people want to get them separate and wait. What's your recommendation? I am a fan of saying um, if you can get the vaccines, you should get them. Like if, does that make sense? Like if, if in your mind you're going to be able to get them spaced out in a, and, and get them in, that's fine. But if there's a chance that, you know, you won't be able to come back in a couple of weeks to, to get the COVID vaccine um, or, or the flu vaccine, it's fine to get them at the same time. The only thing is uh, some people may feel like they have more side effects. So um, it's not unusual to expect, you know, soreness at the injection site. Um, people will feel um, like they're having fevers or like body aches. And that's just your immune system getting revved up to that vaccine. It's not saying that you're getting flu or COVID. It's really like your immune system, like responding to those vaccines. But um, usually those uh, side effects from the injection from that vaccine usually goes away within like 24, 36 hours. Okay. So I've been telling my patients to go ahead and get their RSV vaccination now. What do you feel about that? Um, that's perfect. You know, we um, we know that we anticipate that the vaccine works really well. It's durable. And this is a fine time to get it because the respiratory season is probably um, around the corner over the next, um, I anticipate to start in October. Okay. And uh, then a lot of people want to wait till the new vaccine comes in for covid and then get their COVID and their uh, flu vaccine, you know, late September, uh, October. What are you, is that what you're saying too? Yeah, I think that should be fine. Okay. All right then. And, you know, what else should we be concerned about uh, from your point of view? You know, you are infection prevention. (laughs) What should we be, you know, what other things should we be concerned about telling our patients and what should the public be concerned about as we go into the winter months? Yeah, so I think I would say, you know, we have learned so many lessons over the last few years from responding to the Corona pandemic, coronavirus pandemic, and we have a lot of tools that we know to use and, and don't be afraid to use them is what I would say, um, especially as our respiratory season comes up, um, you know, masking is is so valuable and especially if you're commuting, you know, by bus or 
our, the metro station or by our flying, you know, ma- masking in closed scenarios is important, especially um, as as we really get into those winter months that, you know, masking, especially in closed areas, will, will be useful. Um, again, hand hygiene and avoiding, uh, like, you know, just coughing into your hands or touching your hands after you're coughing. Um, and also the other thing, too, is that ensuring that you have access to uh, testing for COVID as well, you know, if you have respiratory symptoms, it's it's important not to fall into the thought that, oh, this is just allergies. You know, it's important to know that you should get tested for COVID um, to ensure that you are not putting others at risk. And, you know, and that is a really important thing that I think people should think when we're asking them to mask up. It's not just for you. It's also for your loved ones and the public in general. And um, I have people who have other people who live in their homes, you know, maybe elderly parents or grandparents. Or they're visiting these parents and grandparents. And I ask them to please, you know, mask up because so that you don't give this to grandma. You know, I've, I've had, unfortunately, 90-year-old parents who don't leave the house who end up with COVID. Well, somebody brought that into the house, you know. So if I can just get people to think about it in that way. Yeah. And I, you know, I think it's just jogging people's memory of like what it was in the first time when we were really concerned about the severity of illness and the contagiousness. Um, I I think the challenge now is that um, in in a way... Uh, I think the challenge is that we realize it's not as severe. So COVID illness, that presentation can be um, disregarded. Like, you know, they feel like, oh, I just had this nasal congestion or this seems very similar to my allergies. But unless you test, you don't know. And um, and so it's it and 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 along with testing is that you should mask, you know, so all that. Um, just employing those tools again will be um, beneficial to not spreading it to other folks. Okay. Well, Dr. Snyder, we're coming down to the end of our time together. And let me reintroduce you. Our guest has been Dr. Cynthia Snyder. She is an infectious disease expert. She's the medical direction for uh, infection prevention at the Moses Cone uh, Health in Greensboro, North Carolina, and she has been our primary go-to person as we have tried to navigate through COVID the last couple of years. So, Dr. Snyder, what are your words of wisdom that you want to leave with everybody as we uh, start to sign off? Um, I think this is a great time to get your vaccines. Um, first, um, you should be getting access to your flu vaccines over the next couple months, like I believe it's being available in a lot of uh, pharmacies and doctor's office. And September and October is a great time to get those vaccines. Um, the COVID vaccine, that new booster will be available um, either mid to late September. Um, until then, um, if you're in your community that's seeing a high increase, or especially if you're noticing an outbreak um, in your at your church or your or other uh, congregation, that it's a good time to start masking and um, Again, um, then there's a new RSV vaccine also available for those who are 60 and up, and that too would be very, very beneficial. Our plan is really we want to try to prevent having that triple pandemic, you know, of 
COVID flu and RSV. And we have these great tools, these vaccines that can help. We also know that masking can help and we have access to testing and some antivirals. So all those are really, um, we feel very fortunate to have all these tools for us available. And we just need the the public to uh, access them. So please go ahead and uh, get those vaccines in you. Let me just ask one more question. You know, a lot of the mandates that the government has had with providing, you know, medications and things are, are, are they going to expire? Are we going to be able to get the medications free? Do you think that they will reinstitute getting testing free? You know, what do you think is going to happen? So um, with the end of the public health mandate, there have been things that have gone away. However, um, I believe that the vaccines are being supported so that they should be free of charge. A lot of uh, health systems are still and insurance companies are still providing um, the coverage for uh, the cost of the tests and the antivirals. And um, and I, and I want to say that I believe that varying different public health departments will probably increase access to uh, to the medications and testing, but I'm not for certain on all the details. I would probably would look to your individual health department in your community to seeing what access th- there is. Um, should there uh, sh- should you not have access to testing? Okay. Well, Dr. Snyder, we thank you so much. Always appreciate you, and uh, I'm sure we're going to be talking again soon because I'm afraid COVID is going nowhere. Our guest has been Dr. Cynthia Snyder. She is an infectious disease expert. She's the medical director for uh, infection prevention at the Moses Cone. Uh, health in Greensboro, North Carolina, and she has been our primary go-to person as we have tried to navigate through COVID the last couple of years. All right. Thank you so much, Dr. Bland. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. It's a matter of your health. It's brought to you by the African-American Public Radio Consortium, NPR Distribution, and the Public Radio Satellite System. Find It's a Matter of Your Health podcast wherever you get your podcasts and make sure to visit our website at www.drblandradio.com for past episodes, blogs, and more.